Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell coming to you live from the Macedon Rangers on this Tuesday, the 27th of February, 2024. Trust you've had a fantastic start to the week and there's lots of opportunities that you and your team are working on that will bear fruit over the next week, two weeks, three weeks and beyond uh, because sales is the ultimate form of service, which is what I want to talk about today. Uh, and a topic around sales in particular that a lot of salespeople, for whatever reason, don't necessarily spend enough time thinking about. And I must say, not enough sales leaders spend enough time thinking about that if they did, it just might mean that their sales, uh, their sales, what's the word, their sales efforts may actually be compounded if they actually took heed of this particular principle in this philosophy. But before we get into that topic, just want to remind you, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please press subscribe on the platform that you're listening to. Or if you're on the Apple platform, it is simply follow. That will allow me to let you know, get my words out, uh, when new episodes are ready to be digested, listened to, and hopefully implemented. And of course, if you can rate the show as well, that would be fantastic. And I normally talk about this at the end of the podcast, but if you're in a position where you're looking for some help to help fast track your own leadership development and helping yourself get to an exceptional sales letter status ASAP. Love the opportunity of potentially working with you to help you do just that. Uh, simply go to leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time, we'll jump on a call and work out where you're at, map out a plan and start the execution strategy ASAP. Um, so if you want also some help with your team, also do a lot of workshops and facilitation with sales teams as well. So if you're looking for some assistance with your sales team, let's chat, let's chat and see what we can do. So with that, let's get into today's topic. Now, it's a really important one, and it's one that a lot of sales people and a lot of sales leaders don't necessarily, certainly in my experience, tend to put a huge amount of emphasis on because we're always, and that's a gross generalization, I know, but we're always chasing the next deal, uh, the next shiny thing. Now, whether you are in car sales, real estate sales, whether you're in business-to-business telecommunication sales, IT, SaaS, anything, um, the numbers never, ever go backwards. So there's always the expectation that your sales number goes up and you're having to continue to drive business in a forward direction. And as sales leaders, the pressure is on us to make sure we create the ecosystem where that is possible. But when we're getting slammed as well by senior executives in terms of what are we going to deliver this month, this quarter, this half year, this year, uh, that downward pressure continues to manifest in the pressure we and the conversations that we have with our sales team always looking for the next deal. But I love talking about sales and, and often I do workshops obviously with sales teams, but I often do workshops as well with non-sales teams, but they have a sales element to it. Now they may not necessarily carry a sales target, but they certainly have an influencing role within either internally within an organization or certainly they have a role to play externally as part of a wider team, whether that be in the provisioning of services or consulting, whatever the case might be. And I love asking the question around sales and, and what their perception of sales is. Now, if you did a straw poll and, and think about your own environment, if you did a straw, straw poll of 10 people closest to you and you asked them what their perception of sales was, it'd be interesting to see what the responses would be. It's fascinating because many responses I get, especially people not directly involved in a sales role, 
often have less than savoury things to say about sales and about salespeople. And it's perceptions like, oh, they're really pushy, they're really sleazy, they, they're inauthentic, you can't trust them. Uh, and often the, the people bring up the, the door-to-door sales type person or the snake oil sales type person, the, the used car type sales person that's always looking to get a deal and close at every opportunity because there's a live customer in front of them. Uh, and it's very rare do I actually get any perceptions that is positive. Now, I believe most of that, if not all of it, is misguided. Now, in any industry, there's going to be some people within the industry that bring the entire industry down and have an impact on the reputation of that industry based on the behaviors and the actions and sometimes the way they go about things in terms of what they communicate and how they respond or don't respond to requests. But it's disappointing that not many people tend to have a positive thing to say about sales. Now, what I often share with sales teams, and I was actually with a, another sales team yesterday, I shared again that my belief is that sales is truly the ultimate form of service. And not, it can, not only can it be really lucrative, it can also be a profession of high integrity, authenticity, and trust. Now, when you talk to most people and you put the words trust, authenticity, service, and sales together in the one sort of paragraph, it kind of, for most people, is a little bit of a uh, disconnect. So they don't necessarily uh, allocate sales as being authentic or trustworthy. But if you look through history and if you look at some of the most successful salespeople on the planet, irrespective of the industry, there is a theme, particularly ones that have been successful over a very long period of time. There is a level of trust that they develop. They have trusted advisor status. They're an expert in their industry, but they also serve their customers. And the point of today's podcast and the title of today's podcast is that the sale only starts after the sale is made. And one of the things I'm trying to instill into sales teams and certainly sales leaders now in every single session that I run and every coaching session I pretty much run as well is that the sale actually doesn't start until after the sale is made, which means we have to earn the right to be able to sell and provide a solution to a customer. It is not about a product push or a service push to a customer because this is where a lot of people get the, I guess, the misconception around sales and that uh, rightly or wrongly, organizations have a firm belief in their product and rightly they should. But the way they go about the marketing of that is they think that the product or the service is the be-all and end-all and they go to try to retrofit that product into the marketplace, into a perceived need. And when they get a, a live customer or a customer that smells like there might be an opportunity, they do whatever they possibly can to try and sell that and close the deal. And I've been to sales trainings where sales trainers have always been talking about the philosophy of always be closing. Now, it might have worked in the 70s, 80s, 90s. It actually doesn't work in the 2020s because customers, as we've already talked about in this podcast, are so much better educated today than they ever have been. And in fact, I said to the group yesterday that most customers, before they even do business with you as a supplier, they've pretty much done their research and they know whether A, your company is one of uh, a good reputation and somebody they could see doing business with, and B, they've done research on you, whether it be on your social media platforms, particularly LinkedIn, they would have done some research on you and, and made a decision as to whether you're gonna be the right type of fit for their organization. So no longer is the balance of power sitting in the hands of the sales organizations. More and more, the balance of power sits in the hands of the purchasing organization or the buyer. So buyers are more savvy, they're more sophisticated, they're more, uh, they have higher expectations, which means we as salespeople have to lift our game. And the whole philosophy of this, the fact that the sale begins after the sale is made, means that we have to start thinking more about the lifetime value of a customer, not the short-term hit 
of a particular sale. Now, there was a couple of examples of this and I wanted to share one that uh, happened to me many years ago, but a colleague recently shared a story where they had an experience buying, and I won't, I won't talk about the product, but it was a, an everyday household item and they had no intention of actually purchasing that, but the way that the salesperson interacted with this particular individual, asked them questions and really sought out what the problem was that they were trying to solve uh, in their marketplace. And it wasn't about trying to retrofit a product to suit that. It was really showing a level of curiosity and interest. Um, this person ended up buying not only one, but two of these products. And the interesting thing that the salesperson did is uh, they obviously got all the contact details as part of the transaction. But two weeks after they'd made the purchase, this salesperson dropped them a note via text just to check in to see how the how the performance of the product was going. Now, that to, to my colleague was a complete um, eye-opener because for all intents and purposes, he thought that he was buying a commodity-type product and he had this perception that the salesperson uh, was very nice to him and he was being nice to him because... Uh, he wanted to make a sale and look, there might be some element of truth to that. We don't know because we weren't in the head of the salesperson. But what we do know is this salesperson did not have to follow up with this particular customer and they chose to follow up and just check in to see how the performance of the product was. Now, just by that small uh, effort, this person has now referred two other people to this particular salesperson who happens to be in the same marketplace for the same product as my friend or my colleague was. Now, whether they end up purchasing a product from this person, I don't know, but it's a great example of what salespeople can do that doesn't cost a huge amount of money and it may not necessarily immediately lead to another sale. But what it does do, as I said to the team yesterday, it starts to plant seeds for future opportunities. And so when you can think about this, what are you doing with your particular customers? Are you spending time following the sales transaction to follow up and make sure the implementation is going well, that you're doing a check-in in two weeks, four weeks, 10 weeks, whatever the case might be. And you've got to, you've got to think about this, what's relevant in terms of check-ins. But understand this, that if you continue to build the relationship post the sale, all of a sudden it doesn't, in the eyes of the customer, become a sales transaction for you. What it does, it starts to build a business relationship. And you're more likely to be kept, to be kept top of mind when you continue to actually add value to your customers and checking in with them on a regular basis. Now, it's really simple. And I've, I've had people in the car industry who would keep records of their customers in terms of uh, birth dates, football teams they barrack for, uh, children's birthdays, children's interests, hobbies, anniversaries, all that sort of stuff. And the salesperson would either send a text or back in the days they would send cards in the mail to those people wishing them either a happy birthday or a happy anniversary. Now, that goes a long way. It's PR, and it's it keeps that person top of mind, and there may not necessarily be a sale in it, but what happens is the people who are receiving text messages or contacts from people who have sold them stuff in the past, if they've had a good buying experience, they're more likely to now refer other people that they trust, that they believe may actually benefit from this service or this product, to the person who continues to stay in contact. Now, this doesn't cost a lot, but it can go a long way in terms of building PR and a big big reputation for you and your organization. So the example I had many years ago, which is not a great example, and this is probably more of an example of what not to do, I purchased a brand new car, and this goes back to 2008. I was looking for a brand new car. Uh, we still actually drive that car because it's such a great car. Uh, I was looking at BMWs, I was looking at Mercedes, I looked at Subaru, and I looked at Volkswagen. And I ended up buying the Volkswagen Passat. 
But leading up to that decision, I'd sort of whittled it down, did all the test drives and was getting towards making a purchasing decision. And the salesperson at the Volkswagen dealership was all over me, contacting me every couple of days to check in. And then towards the pointy end, when I was about to get the contract signed, pretty much every single day. And the last week, probably twice a day, trying to get um, trying to get a purchasing decision. Now, it may well be that he needed to get his number in by the end of the month. Um, but look, despite all of that, I ended up signing the, signing the deal and buying the car because that was the car that I decided based on all the research that I had. Now, the interesting thing about this is once I did make that buying decision, and they were very, very ecstatic. However, once I signed the contract, there was absolute crickets. I didn't hear from them again. So... All of a sudden, we've gone from them being all over me like white on rice to now having a contract signed, them getting that quote-unquote the sale, and now them almost being uh, sending crickets my way. Now, if I even if I tried to call them, they probably wouldn't have answered the answer the phone or they didn't respond to me. Not that I tried to because I was just waiting for the car. Then, interestingly, over the next five years, I I got my car serviced at that particular dealership, and only once did I see the salesperson. Uh, in the in the environment when I walked through the sales floor. And even when that happened, he didn't acknowledge me and I don't think he even knew who I was. So to him, I was obviously a number, a another transaction that he needed to get so that he can get his sales numbers and get his commission, meet his, meet his target. What he didn't realize though uh, was, and he didn't do take any interest in perhaps who I was connected to, he knew I was a sales manager at the time, so if he had done any research whatsoever, he probably also knew that there might have been salespeople in my team or colleagues in my business who may have been in the market for a new car, but none of that came forward because he didn't even ask. What he was focused on was the transaction, was the sale. And so unfortunately, he missed a massive opportunity for a sale to be made post the sale being made. Now, if he had have matched his pre-sales enthusiasm with the level of post-sales attention, he might have actually discovered that within my network at that particular time, there was at least five people who just happened to be in the buying cycle for a new car. Not to mention, within the next three to five years, I was probably in a new buying cycle as well. Now, um, that I mean, in history will say that I'm still driving the car, so that actually didn't eventuate. But instead, I got nothing. He had actually moved on to his next customer, his next kill, if you like, his, his next sales number. And he had to repeat the same behavior in order to hit the sales target next month. And this is the key message for today. We've got to realize that instead of looking at a customer as a one-off transaction, we've got to look at a customer as a lifetime relationship. And what is the lifetime value that each customer provides to you as an individual, but also to your organization? Because this is such an important concept to consider. Because as a salesperson, we've got to understand that people like to do business with those who they know who they like and who they trust. And if we look at each person as a potential uh, transaction, then whilst we might win a a short-term deal, which is very salesy, um, it's not going to actually build long-term value and it's probably not going to eventuate in long-term strategic relationships. So we're going to miss out on future opportunities and potentially some significant opportunities. And if you haven't yet read the book, Infinite Gains by Simon Sinek, then I highly recommend you do it. It's for every single sales leader and it's for every single salesperson that's an absolute must to read because we've got to start getting into the psyche of remembering that the sale actually doesn't start until after the sale is made. Just because the customer's chosen to buy today, we've got to continue to earn the right and earn the trust and earn the respect of that customer so that we remain top of mind. So the next time they're in a buying circle or a buying cycle, they're going to be thinking of us before they think about anybody else. So as we ramp up into this week, as a sales leader, I'd love you to consider your current approach 
to sales. You might be under pressure to hit your number and that's fine, but uh, resist the temptation to turn all of your sales transactions into just that, transactions, and start thinking about what's the relationship that we're building? How much do we know about our customers? Um, are we looking at customers as a transaction right now or are we considering that lifetime value we just talked about as your customer? Because if you focus on the latter, if we actually focus on the lifetime value of the customer, what you'll get, begin to appreciate is that the sale actually doesn't start until after the sale is made. And what this approach will do is it will lead to exceptional and sustainable results, not to mention a level of loyalty that will bear fruit, not just with that customer, but I guarantee it'll bring other customers to you as well. So it might be a bit of a longer game. You might be, uh, you might be grappling with the short-term win uh, versus the long-term gain. But uh, it's a game that we need to play. It's a bit of a stretch game, but uh, it's a game we must play because the sale does not start until after the sale is made. So I hope that message hits you just at the right time. I hope that message makes sense. So with that, my challenge to you is just look at the way that you are treating your customers right now, how you see them. Are you focused more on the short-term wins, the way you're looking more long-term? And can you actually get a little bit more strategic and start thinking about what sort of value can we add to our customers post the actual sale? So with that, have a fantastic week and uh, as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com And let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.